Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. And we're back with another episode, but I'm doing something a little bit different today. Back in September, I attended the American Association of Dental Office Management's annual conference. I saw a lot of you there, and I was able to host a panel discussion for Curve Dental. I had three panelists with me. I had Susan Gunn, Angela Davis Sullivan, and Malika Azergoon with me, and they are three good friends, but also three very accomplished and very, very smart practice management consultants. And so what we did in that session was we grilled them. We had lots of questions from the audience and it was really in general, just a good time. What we then decided to do, uh, courtesy of Curve, is have a follow-up webinar about two or three weeks after the conference. And we did record that. Not everybody was able to attend and I did get a lot of requests for the replay. Curve has allowed me to put this into the podcast format so that you all could hear that discussion and just gain a little knowledge. It's almost like you're just kind of sitting at the table next to us when we're having dinner discussing stuff and you can overhear what we would have done in certain situations. I had a lot of fun with this and I hope this is very helpful for you as well. It's my sincere pleasure to re-welcome Malika, Angela, Susan, and, and Teresa to continue the conversations that we started in Orlando, maybe answer some questions that have come up since then. Uh, or follow-up questions that they might have gotten after the um, presentation was over. The session we had down there was the top-rated session, and when you look at this panel, it's not a surprise why. <laughs> so it's a great wealth of talent and uh, expertise on the call. So we're excited to come back together, and uh, with that, I'll pass it over to Teresa to start the program. Thank you so much. So we did have a great time down in Orlando, and I'll tell you one thing that struck me getting off of when I was saying goodbye to everybody, I was walking uh, down and, and saying hello to everybody, you know, uh, after the session. And I kept looking back up towards the stage and these three ladies just were inundated with people. Even at the breaks, they were inundated. So I know we hit a chord. There were a lot of questions that came through. And so what I'd really like to do is ask them, what kind of feedback did you hear? I know everybody thought you were great, but like what kind of feedback did you hear as far as what was going through the audience's mind during this session? I'll go. I had several people um, asking me about the role of the office manager because I think it's so wide and so many practices that we see. Some do everything and some do very little and you're trying to figure out what that expectation is. And so we talked about, you know, having your meeting with your doctor, what do you, what does he or she need you to do? And then how can you grow it from there? And I was amazed at how many of them do not run those end of day reports and stuff that we talked about once they came up and actually admitted it. Like, I don't think we do all, I don't think we do the, enough of the end of the day reports. What is that? What do I do with that? So that was kind of eye opening for, for us having that conversation with some of them. 
Did you get the sense that they just didn't know that they should be running it? Or did you get the sense that maybe the person that trained them just never ran them? Like, is it a bad habit that got handed down? If I had to guess, I would say it was a bad habit that never got handed down. That did get handed handed down. down. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was no one ever said, oh, I need to see that report, which is eye opening. The doctors don't know what they're missing. Or maybe some of them are running it on their own. The Mm -hmm. office manager did not know the answer to that question. So it was just interesting. Like, okay, now what should I be doing at the end of every day, the end of every month? And just getting clarity on that. Checklist, checklist, right? Susan, you had a, are you winking at me with your finger? Is that a a signal? (laughs) Yes. And to go on to what Angela said, I got, they don't know where to find those reports. And so not only did they know they were supposed to run reports, but they didn't know where to find them. And I got very specific questions of, you mentioned this report, where is it in my software? And so, you know, thankfully I was somewhat familiar to go in my head and and scroll through to that software to figure out that report because I kept saying remember not all software is created equal and so I could tell them yes your software has that or pretty sure it doesn't but here's what you would do as a workaround those were the specific kind of questions that I was getting after speaking and what to look for in those reports and what, it, what do you do if it doesn't match up with the deposit at the end of the day, you know, and should we be concerned, you know, a lot of those kinds, a lot of those kinds of questions. And thank God we had uh, software experts in the room to help us yeah, know no where to find these reports, right? Yes, so Malika, what happened with, uh, with your conversations? I mean, I, I had actually a couple of people ask Am I supposed to run these reports? Because I don't have the authority to run these reports. Oh, interesting. You know, and I have this conversation always with Dennis is like, I understand your concerns and I'm sure Susan can really relate to that. But at the same time, some of these reports are important for the staff to know what I mean, especially managers to know how to run because that's how they do their end of day. And they can look at the, the deposit, the collection, all that stuff. And I had a couple that was like, how do I convince my doctor to give me the rights to run these reports? Because they're being blocked from running them, which was interesting to me. So I know we have a couple people who are attending. And so if you have any questions for us, go ahead and pop those into the chat or the Q&A. I'll monitor both and we'll make sure to ask those. But I do have some other questions while they're thinking about what on earth uh, they would like to ask us. We're kind of loose tonight. We're kind of ready to talk about anything, it seems like. Let's tackle on to that. How do, you, how do you find out what you don't know? I mean, other than coming to a panel like this, is there a couple resources that you all, like you check regularly that would be helpful for a new manager or someone who's trying to expand their knowledge? Where do you guys go for your knowledge? And, and how, how do you help someone grow into that bigger role? I mean, I feel like, you know, social media can be a head and miss depending on where you go. <laughs> You know, sometimes I say, you know, depending on the group or the knowledge, but I feel like a lot of times I think asking and I think Adam had a great, you know, resource in the sense of linking up with other office managers that have experience is key. And I think courses, I feel like, especially for me during COVID, I was able to take so many online of these programs and just listen and hear, wow, this makes sense. Or even podcasts that, you know, one that you have and others have, that's all knowledge. I think a lot of times I feel like when I speak to office managers that have been doing this for years, they're too quick just to say they know. 
And it's like, yes. what's great about dentistry is that the sky's the limit. You can learn something new every day. And I, I, you know, I always empower to say, you know, just listen to this podcast or read this book or read this article. Cause this all can be knowledge that you thought you knew, but there's new, as you know, like new stuff coming about insurance, new stuff yeah. coming about reports that you can look at or how to do your adjustments. I think that all on a daily basis can change. And, and the more, you know, the better it is. Well, and yeah, I would say, who, Teresa, who do I call when I have a question about insurance? <laughs> it's always me. <laughs> it is always you. But it's it's knowing those resources and getting resources together that are reliable. I, you know, I would say really good, the tongue in cheek of the social media is not always correct. And I am... Uh, just really um, surprised and what a dangerous line it is when people are giving legal advice uh, when they should always point them to an attorney Mm -hmm. because as far as I know there are very few attorneys that are actually on some of the threads that I'm at or CPA advice which I always say not a CPA it's dangerous to take those as the verbatim Um, And this is the truth because may not be, I use my resources that I, the people that I know that are strong in those areas that I need to go to that have been around for a while that are known for their expertise. I do a ton of research Mm -hmm. when I have a question, for instance, about something that is legal, I will Google as far or as um, accounting wise, tax wise. Just find out if something's legal. One of the big questions I get all the time is about the cars, you know, and whether they can be written off. And I always go IRS.gov. If you really want to know IRS.gov, because that is the end all. That's where the buck stops. Mm -hmm. If you really want to know what the government says about it, IRS.gov, because you'll find a CPA that'll give you both sides of an opinion. And so IRS.gov. You know, it's really interesting that, you know, you're pointing to an official site and I I completely agree with that. It is good to have people that, you know, that know what they're doing, but things like records release and HIPAA things and, and how long am I supposed to keep this record? And those are all just in case you're not sure attendees, those are all, yes, there's guidelines that are put forth by the ADA. So you can always check the ADA's guidelines. They're always going to be the most conservative. So that's a good thing. But if you're looking for your state specific, your state has a dental association, a society, and they have uh, resources for you. Now, if your doctor's a member, it's a lot easier to get there because they're usually behind member uh, benefits. But the state itself has a department of health and usually dentist rules and regulations are all under the Department of Health. So here in Virginia, if I go to the Virginia Department of Health, I'll find all the rules and regulations, but the Virginia Dental Society has them gathered in a much nicer palatable order. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, not, that, it's not that I don't trust Malika on Facebook. I just don't know if Malika's in my state. I don't know if Malika's in the same specialty. I just, I don't know. And shout out to one of Malika's friends, Natasha. She, um, she is a lawyer. So I actually do have a lawyer that I, I can ask questions Mm -hmm. of. So Malika, you can always plug her if you need to. I think she's fantastic. Yeah. I think when you have an attorney, I just like, you know, Teresa insurance attorney, but again, even, you know, someone like uh, Natasha, 
she'll say like, this is not my expertise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yes, I'm an attorney, but I can't answer that question for you. You know, she'll straight up tell me like, this is out of my lane. (laughs) Like, don't ask me. And it's kind of a red flag though. If the attorney is not going to answer that, then, you know, you should kind of trust that. So Angela, what about you? Where do you go for your knowledge? Just like everybody else. You're looking for those podcasts, those articles. Who are you following that, you know, is the expert in some of these things? And I do a ton of research and then it's pulling from the people that, you know, who have been there and done it to get some information. Mm -hmm. But I think training office managers, like we were talking about, I mean, that's just tough. Whoever at the office did it before them is the one who's training them. So they're only have the potential initially to be as good as the person who's training them. And that could be fantastic or that could be crappy. It could be so-so. So it's really hard for them to know, am I really doing my best? Am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? Because I only know what the person who was here before me did. Well, it is heartbreaking because when you talk to some of these newer managers, you know, they're, they take a class like ours. And they're like, I thought I was doing it right. And it really hits them in the gut that they maybe are missing something. Um, I did do a two-part podcast episode or or series on that. It was called Managerial Guilt because I was speaking for a chapter and and I kept hearing, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I'm going to get fired. I know this is terrible. I thought I was being a good manager. It's like, don't internalize that. You just found out, like you just like a door just open, go forth and be curious, you know, curiosity though. Do you guys see that in, in, uh, in your offices a lot, or is it more like, give me a checklist? What do you see? In my favorite offices, curiosity is abundant <laughs> and I love it because I could, you know, you can work with that and ask, yeah. you know, they ask great questions and they're, uh, they want <laughs> to go down that path. So I love curiosity. So speaking of the conference, uh, and again, if you've just joined us, feel free to send us a question or a chat uh, and let us know if you've got anything on your mind because open mic night here, that's what we've got. We got curve. That's what we should do. Curve open mic night. That's what we should be yeah. doing. <laughs> it, was there anything at the conference that you learned that was like, wait, whoa, what on earth? I'm a consultant. I should have known that. Did you guys come away with anything? I Look always learn something when I listen to Susan. <laughs> like, that is so not my realm. I'm like, What? Wow. wow. Oh, the stories I could tell you. Yeah. But won't. <laughs> yeah, but won't and can't. But won't. I was really surprised. I'll just start off. I was surprised at how many verification and billing companies were at the conference this year, mm. which tells me that the, you know, yeah. the demand is up. But I was also very surprised by the fact that the online scheduling was no longer like almost a standalone, like it seems like that's become pretty standard now that softwares are offering that or looking to offer that, which made me very happy because what I really want is to have everything be so frictionless, right? Through the software. What other services and software that you saw that were like very curious to you all? I mean, you know, there's all these dashboards, like, you know, practice by numbers and dental intel, but I noticed there's a couple more there. And I feel like I'm, I'm intrigued at more dentists and practices are really in tuned mm-hmm. to finding a way to get a quicker, you know, way of getting their production collection, you know, number of hygiene patients, where yes, the softwares all, all do a great job of doing this, but they want something that they can have on their phone that, you know, again, mm-hmm. life is on the go right now for everybody. So it was interesting to me to like walk around the floor 
and hear these um, vendors talking to us. I mean, I was just, you know, eavesdropping, you know, right. talking about this. And it was interesting to me that, wow, there's more than I just, you know, really for me was practiced by numbers and, oh, but I was like, oh, there's a couple more here that I've never even heard of before, or I've heard of them, but I didn't think there were my clients or even other dentists would be interested in. And I noticed, well, there's a line, people are talking to them and mm -hmm. they really want that data instantly versus running reports after reports. And that's what I want to, I want instant data that I can take a look at. And, you know, I want to just point out that, and because I, I really do love the curve software that it's instantaneous, right? Like some of the okay. other dashboards are more like on a 24 hour cycle. So you don't get that. And if you're running multiple locations, that's a lot harder. So I think that speaks to the demand for the software, but I also was just surprised with the outsourcing uh, and it wasn't just insurance and verification, but it was like, I was so surprised. What about you guys? Very surprised at how much they're, what do you want to say? Like farming things out. Yeah. The, well, the outsourcing. Just yeah, the outsourcing. Like almost everything. It's like, well, okay. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to say we're going to see that more as they are having a hard time getting employees. Mm -hmm. I think the staffing issues so, is causing Yeah, if they're having team desperate. member issues, yeah. I see that. You know, if you can get a reliable company to do billing, uh, insurance billing and putting that information when the payments are made into the practice software. And if you can do that, if you can outsource the marketing, if you can outsource so much of that, then you've cut out um, needing that extra person to fill, or you can focus on other things. Well, I, I see that helps. becoming more. Yeah. And I think it helps uh, level up the, the team members that are present to focus on the patient and that experience right. versus yeah head down. I'm working. I got to get this verified. Oh, hi. Glad you're here. I know. <laughs> Don't interrupt me, <laughs> but to really up that uh, patient experience. Yeah. And I, I see that more because of my bigger multi-location practices right. more than ever. This is what they're doing. I mean, they were more hesitant, I'll say pre-COVID, but now, you know, billing's fully outsourced or it's in one location, you know, online scheduling is a must and verification. You know, I even have, you know, a couple local dentists that have started their own verification businesses locally. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. And because That's they realized how much it was needed and now they're offering it as a side business to other dentists because hmm. they're like, I, I can't believe my staff is on hold for you know, care first for 45 minutes for verification. Right. Because they right. can't log into the portal and they cannot get that code that I need to make sure before I get the procedure started. So it, more and more, I think, I'm sure Teresa, you know this better than I, but we never had this much of a hold times and stuff with these insurance companies before. Mm -hmm. So I think just they're realizing that they just can't maintain it. They can't just put one or two staff members all day long on the phone, just verifying right. insurance. Either they're not doing the verifications and then they're getting upset patients and crazy ARs, or they're have, you know, have to outsource to be able to survive. It's such a cycle. And it's almost like, I mean, I appreciate a lot of the insurance people that I'm friendly with, but it's, I almost want to say y'all did this, you know, because you, you told us we needed to check verification. We sent it in and then you said, surprise, they're not actually covered. And then, you know, and so then it kind of snowballed and now nobody in a dental office wants to see anyone unless they know like 100% they're covered and you can't even get that. So it, it's really a little bit strange. Um, I think don't think it was one of you that I was discussing this with, but I want to float this idea by you because um, it came up a couple times with people that are, they're a lot smarter than I am. So let me just, let me just broach the subject here. You probably heard of something called an online business manager or what we call an OBM. 
So in the virtual assistant world, OBM is somebody who runs the whole business for you. And if you're a solo entrepreneur, you get to, you know, do your thing and they run your business on the side. So somebody was saying that they think that that model could work in dentistry where you have somebody like Angela, let's just take you, for example, you have five offices that you keep in close contact with. And you're like, Hey, let me just manage all five of those from home. You're not managing the people you're managing the payroll, the paying of the bills and negotiating the contracts, the hiring and the firing piece, not the actual managing in office. So you have somebody and then manages the doctor's you know, time, does their travel, if they're involved in anything, they plan that. And she said, she, this one uh, girl was saying to me, I really think this could be a viable business model because the manager is not just a business manager. It's also sometimes a personal manager at the same time. I don't know. Is that, does that tickle your fancy? Does that think, does that prompt any conversation there? Do you see my eyebrow going up? Yeah. <laughs> that's why, that's why I brought it up. You know, I'm not saying that, that this is somebody who's going to get their hooks in and call Susan in and all that, but thinking that this person's ethical, let's just take it that way from the start, okay. we can talk about if they're unethical, but if they're ethical, right. is this something that you think doctors would move to? Or we're like, they just, they handle everything over there. And I just come and do the dentistry and somebody up front handles the schedule. Somebody in the back handles inventory. Nobody's really in charge of the big kahuna. Do you know what I mean? Like here, somebody else is offsite. I don't know. What do you think? I think it has to fit your business model. I think you have to, and also you have to be open-minded. I think the challenge is even myself as a, you know, small business owner, sure I feel like I would be too hesitant to, uh, you know, uh, I, I think for yeah. me, I'm just saying from my perspective, like, oh, someone's going to run my business for me. That's a little scary. <laughs> like someone would pay your taxes for you, you know, oh, somebody would set up yeah. your phone calls for you. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. interesting. It is. It, you know what? And if you're running the business side of it, watching the numbers and the growth and projections and forecasting and stuff, that'd be great. Dentists aren't great at doing that part anyways. <laughs> a lot of times they're like, and I don't think they want to have collection. What did we collect? I got to pay bills. Kind What's of, yeah. the money in the bank? That's what they usually What's the money in the bank. How yeah. much money do I have in the bank and how much can I, of it can I spend? I spend? Yeah. What can I spend? Yeah. I, you know, Teresa, everybody starts off ethical. Well, not, not everybody. <laughs> anyways, their intention may be good, but I've had so many long-term office managers that ended up stealing mm. and and it's because dentists don't want to do the business, right? Most yeah. dentists, most don't generalize everybody, but most dentists would rather just do the clinical and go home. And when they give things over to a business manager, they're like hands on. Then I don't have to do anything. And that's not the case. I'd be mm -hmm. okay with that as a business model if they were still overseeing reports, if they still looked at and reviewed the credit reports, the credit mm -hmm. card reports and reviewed the bank statements and occasionally pulled up a report in the practice software just yeah. to see uh, those things, then I'd be okay with that. But like Malika, I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, but you know, some of these, um, I mean, we all know these DSOs that have grown from small DSO to big DSO. Some of these owners had to let yeah. go and let someone manage all of that. So does growth mean that you have to let go a little bit? Usually it does. 
And then, you know, you got to do the ethics thing. You got to do background checks and all that, Susan. I'm not going to just let anyone take hold of stuff. It just was an interesting thought because if you had asked the group of us five years ago, would outsourcing be as hot as it is today? We would have said, eh, maybe, I don't know. Depends on your business model. That's, I mean, Malika, we would have said that, right? And now, now like every other booth at Adon was a outsourcing company. (laughs) Just made me think about that kind of stuff. What was the interesting? I think so. It'll be interesting to see if it happens. I mean, it may not, you know, our industry is not exactly a, a speedy speed to change type industry. I've trained office managers before to do, to be like the business owner, but mm-hmm. then I usually, so everybody will laugh because this is what happens. Cause I say, you know, if you steal from this doctor, I will hunt you down. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> so, and they're all, they're all like, Oh, okay. Well we wouldn't do. Yeah. That's what everybody says. They wouldn't everybody do says that everybody yeah. says that, So, but I'm just putting it out there. You know, I think it would have a purpose. You know, I'm not against, a bookkeeper doing, because really you're talking about somebody that's going to do mostly bookkeeping with a few human resources perspective. Well, you talked about hiring and firing and yeah, but you know, strategy, I'm guessing marketing, not negotiating fees. I'm talking about negotiating like your your credit card, like, you know, being in charge of the actual nuts and bolts of the business. And I guess a little bit of strategy, but go ahead. Sorry. I, you know, I'd be okay with that again, with there's so many things that the dentist have to let go because I simply just don't have time. Mm. You know, I mean, I tell them if they do their own QuickBooks, it's two hours a week. You know, if they do it the way that I suggest two hours a week and that's all that takes. But then you add marketing, you add overseeing, you add budgeting, credit card stuff. That's a lot. So I could see that being a, a good virtual office manager position. So let's talk about, let's talk, of course, Susan, within reason. (laughs) Let's talk about these different roles though, because it seems like everybody has a different coordinator, a marketing coordinator, financial treatment, clinical inventory, all this kind of stuff. What's the one position that you that you all have seen come up in the last couple of years that you think is one that should be given more attention or one that you think is extremely valuable in the office and doesn't get enough love, which coordinator? <laughs> I was going to say the dentist, but <laughs> <laughs> really just coordinating a couple crowns and things like that. <laughs> Unless there's a dentist coordinator, there's probably not one of those. That's a wrangler, I think, but go ahead. Uh, sorry, other ladies didn't mean to keep joking around here. What you think? One that has been really hot has been new patient ambassador. Has been the really wow idol. So tell me about that. What does that look like? Basically, they're literally in charge of the new patients coming in, making sure that they're they're onboarded correct, just like almost like an employee being onboarded, like the new patients being onboarded correctly. You know, they're making sure where the source of the new patient is from. They're able to follow up and give them like a follow up call to see how their experience was. At the same time, what, what they're doing is that when the new patient's coming in, and let's say the office gets 20 new patients in August, they all start looking at the data of, okay, how many patients have they lost for the practice in August? Mm-hmm. So they really kind of balance the two out. And then if they're working with a marketing company, they share that data with that marketing company of the new patients that came in. And then was the back door open out of those 20 new patients? How many did not schedule their next appointment? And depending on the size of the practice, sometimes they look at 
different pro providers, like the new patients with this provider scheduled the next appointment or the, with this hygienist, but they didn't with the other. So it ends up being almost like a full-time job because they're really, all they're doing is spending money. I mean, some money time on doing this because that's the money that's being invested into the practice. Again, depends on the size of the practice. Like a small practice might not need someone doing that full-time, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it really, I've noticed, because at first when I heard about it, I'm like, really, you new patient ambassador? Like, what, what does this really mean? But now that I'm seeing it more and I sit, spend some time with that individual that's in charge of this, I'm really fascinated by it because they really play a big role because they're able to follow up. They ask yeah. for a review. Then they make sure that they respond to those reviews. So it's like almost like they're co-piloting the marketing team. But at the same time, they're making sure that the treatments are converted for those new patients. They're having a good experience. And then really making sure they're making their next appointment. And so that, that that lead that came through that marketing ad or whatever it came through was really a good lead. Do they so, verify insurance too, Malika? So it's a very good question. Depends on that practice. Like my ortho, my specialty, my ortho endo practices that I have this, they do. They focus on just so. Now, if it's like multi-specialty practice, they can't keep up. That's too many patients. Because I have like a practice right now in Texas, 150 new patients a month. Wow. So all she does is deal with these new patients in the sense of making sure their new patient paperwork is filled out correctly. Mm -hmm. They know where the source of, of you know, a referral is. Did they make their next appointment? That's a lot of moving parts right there already where, you know, I feel like a lot of offices miss that piece of the puzzle. Yeah. You know, when the schedule's full, they're happy, but they're not realizing yeah. that you know, that new patient really, and they're spending money automatically just deducting from their credit card of this marketing company, whoever they are that is doing this. But the minute a nosedive, you know, they're picking up the phone, calling us saying, there's something wrong with my office. Well, that so back door, that back door is really interesting because what I see is that we don't, we don't even look in that direction. Yeah. Like we're just so focused on herding people into the office that you don't realize they don't come back. Yeah. And I mean, I think we all know, but maybe there's some newer people out there that don't know that it's actually way more expensive to have a new patient than it is to keep your, to retain your existing patients, way more expensive. And I know Angela, when you and I worked together years and years ago, there was always like a cost per new patient or right. something that you are always exactly. talking about. Do you, I mean, do you want to expand on that? Like how much that is? And then like, how, how much are we losing on the back end by not following up or just just not tracking it. Yeah, not tracking. It's the biggest thing because we are so focused on the new patients coming in. And that's why running reports is critical and looking at them or using those softwares that are helping you do that, you know, whichever it is, they all can do, can do it. Because if we got 50 new patients in and lost 65, we're still at a negative growth and they don't, mm -hmm. they don't look at that piece. And it costs time and labor to get new patients in. And I think the average at the time, it might be more now for what you spend in marketing to actually make that phone ring for one patient is probably $500. Per patient? Yeah, wow. per patient. Wow. Where what wow. could we do to close the back door, keep the ones we've got, follow up, all those mm -hmm. little things that don't cost, you know, a little bit of money to make those things happen. So you've got a PPO office, so it's $500 to get that person in. And taking away the empathy and the, we want to take care of the oral health thing, because there's clinical people that are going to worry about that. I'm worrying about making sure that we don't lose our, our butts, right? $500 to spend to get this person in, maybe that appointment for Profi, Full Set, 
comprehensive, I don't know, $300. It's just $300. Right. So you're, you haven't made your money back and you're about to go spend even more labor to schedule that patient to have work done to reschedule them for, for recare. And if they don't have any work that needs to be done, I mean, good for them, but you know, we, we don't, yeah. I mean, we don't actually realize a profit until maybe the second time or third time they come in. So when it, it all evens out, so the people that do have work that needs to be done, we're not trying to go after them because we need to make money. They actually need the work to be done, but in the numbers game, it all averages out. We need to have more incoming than we spend outgoing. I know a lot of um, the young offices, they spend a lot of money on marketing, something like five, 7% of their collections on marketing. Which then is, the older you get, it's like one one percent. I know, right? <laughs> you get one percent to bring new patients in, but if they don't ever track it and know if it's really working, right? They yeah. could miss the whole opportunity. I mean, because yeah. if it's working and you've got a good ROI, and you look at that initial ROI, and then you've got to keep measuring it for that long term ROI, mm-hmm. and that's where it pays off in that piece of it. It's just not one time wonder and like, oh yeah, yeah that was great, that worked. Flash question. When do you consider somebody to be inactive and you stop tracking them so it doesn't keep pulling your numbers down? Yeah. When do they become an inactive patient? Good question. So everybody's got their you know, own belief system around that. You know, Some yeah. doctors are like, no, they're not inactive. They've just been busy. It's been three years, dude. They're gone. <laughs> We're gonna, did, you, did you see an obituary? That's what I know. they usually are thinking. If, did you see an obituary? Because then they're not a, they're not a patient yeah, anymore. Really it's so funny. <laughs> but typically at 18 months overdue, it's been two years since they've been in your practice. They are inactive. And you could still try to go get them with some strategies, but they're inactive. And you've got to focus on who you can. So 18 get. months overdue. So 18 months from their overdue date. So Correct. they've even been out of your practice longer than that. Yeah, Malika, exactly. does that gel with what you usually see or what you recommend? Oh, yeah. I mean, as, as, as Angela said, some of them don't want to let go. There's statistics and it's like 7,000 active patients. And right. It's like all these holes in the schedule. And I'm like, oh, I don't think there's 7,000 active yeah. patients. And it's interesting. A lot of these analytics softwares, I've talked to a bunch of them. And a lot of them will have like the active patient number and that active patient number doesn't reflect what's on the software. Mm. And I've asked that question because I'm curious to see what they pull and they pull it based on 18 months, which is interesting. So they really say like, if they haven't been there, the last, they have missed three hygiene appointments, they're gone. You know, we don't, we don't consider them an active patient anymore. It is funny because I had uh, somebody I was talking to and, and we were going through some, some accounts and they're like, yeah, this person's son hasn't been in since like 2014 or something. And I said, well, did you inactivate it? Oh no. Sometimes he comes home from, you know, to visit. And I'm like, if he's coming home to visit, he's not going to come and see you. Like, what? <laughs> like there, but it was just such a disconnect. Like there could be the chance. So why would we just, you know, it and was, I was reminded of, they can come back and you can just check the buttons back to active, but let's be realistic when you're forecasting and trying to plan. That's why that reporting is so important. What's the real number here? Because do I have enough hygiene hours to support my actual numbers? Like you, like you were saying, you don't have a patient base of 7,000. You would need six hygienists and more hours. So that's not true. Let's see who's really active and forecast what we need as we grow. So I don't see any other questions. So I'm going to wrap up with one, one or two more like rapid fire questions. Cause I love having you guys on the spot. 
And then Mark, if you have anything that you'd like to add at the end, we certainly would love to hear from you. My first of my rapid fire is, do you think things are better now? Because let me, let me just preface this. When I was at Adom, everybody was like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. But now I'm starting to hear what's going on with our schedule. Cause you know, it's winter and people are sniffling and not call and calling in sick and not keeping their appointments. What are you guys hearing? I mean, I'll tell you from the pedo, because I, as you know, I do deal with a lot of pedo ortho practices. A lot of these schools have these crazy restrictions right now, where if the kids are exposed, they have to stay home for two weeks. Even if they're not having any symptoms, they can't, like they have to be quarantined. So what's happening is that they're coming in the morning, their schedule's full, like five columns. And then the parents are calling and saying that schools told us that we need to stay home. So a lot of that is happening. And the pedo side, I'm seeing this a lot. Wow. And yeah, and the author too, same thing. They can't come in because they're noticing that, you know, they're not allowed to come in or they're like, well, can I come in? And then the, the staff are put on the spot because the school county or whatever is telling them the kids shouldn't go to go anywhere. Yeah. But the parents are like, I think I can come in. Right. And they don't know what to do. So they've, I've had a couple of offices reach out to me, ask my advice about how to handle it. And I said, that's a sticky, I'm not going to give you advice on that. You guys have to follow your office protocols. It just like a snowball of things. Yeah, that's really that, nutty. Yeah, so I think pedo-wise and ortho-wise, I've seen on that angle. But general, yes, I, I hear like a lot of people saying like, I don't feel good. I, I have a cold because I think people are more, you know, the weather's changing. But I think it depends on your location of your office as well. Well, people have to be safe. And, you know, kids are known for being Petri dishes, right? Yes. So, oh, yeah. I mean, but I'm sure maybe just uh, walk behind them, like spraying Lysol, like spritz <laughs> everywhere they go. Like that would be great. And it does stink because if they're home, you're like, oh man, this is the perfect time to take them. But you have to be careful. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, wow, what a conundrum. Angela, you deal with more of these, uh, the adults. Are the adults yeah, as big Petri dishes or... Or what? No, this is, and I have one ortho practice too, which is doing really well. What I find interesting is yes, they've had some team members out and maybe some people fall off their schedule. When team members are out, my teams that have a great culture and have worked on this stuff, they rally and we're doing this. The other people that's always said September always sucks, their (laughs) September sucks. But for the people that were the mindset that was like, we're going to do it this month. We can make this happen. Oh, Sally's sick. That's okay. I can do that. And they're mm-hmm. going to rally and make it happen. And, and they're just following their protocols. If she's sick, she's out. Here's our plan. Here's our backup. Here's what we're going to do different. And then just kind of rotating through that. And I think people and team members, knock on wood, for my teams <laughs> are being realistic. They're not sneezing one time and going, oh my gosh, I can't go to work. Kind of <laughs> Which well, we know certain ones. Too. I was yeah. going to say, you know, there's the ones that we uh, do. Yes, I've had those offices as well. And right now I don't have teams that are, you know, doing a lot of that, which is nice. That's excellent. They're excellent. rallying. Okay. So for 2022 coming up fast. And I love that you mentioned the September slowdown because you do hear September, mm-hmm. slow timber, you hear all, all that kinds yep. of stuff. So 2022 is coming up. You all are meeting with your clients and preparing for the next year, setting goals, making sure you have things in place that you need to look out for. You know, Susan's going to check back in with people and make sure they run their reports so that they're not caught with their pants down again, right? So all of this, what do you think is going to be the biggest issue, number one, that you think your clients are going to run into in 2022? And number two, what are you concerned with? in the whole state industry of dentistry. So let's go micro into your offices and then macro industry. What, what do you see as big issues coming up? I 
think right now the biggest issue, you know, 90% of my offices are short staffed somewhere and have been looking and have been willing to train the right person and uh, getting people to commit to working and, and working at the level, you know, that they've created. They don't want to take someone less just because I can get a warm body in here. So mm. it's taken a lot longer to, to find people right now. That's a big challenge. So is that in your office and industry too? Like what, what I, you do know, you- I think it is. Something's going to have to shift because I have, like I said, there's 90% of my offices that are short staffed somewhere. And then as soon as you fill one spot, another one falls off, it feels like. So I think finding the right people is going to be a challenge, you know, industry-wide for 2022. I, I'm hopeful that, you know, people want dentistry. People want to look and feel better. We've got whole health and we've got sleep and we've got all the, the amazing things we can do in dentistry. And I think it's just getting that message out and letting people know, come to us. We can help you. Mm-hmm. We can help you. And we'll help you figure it all out, whether it's insurance or you're paying completely out of pocket. Nice. Okay. I mean, I think to piggyback on that, hygiene has been huge. You know, I think it's part of staffing. I've been impressed of how creative some of these offices have gotten, you know, hiring a dentist that's, you know, just out of school that's willing to do some hygiene to help them catch up on their hygiene. You know, being more open-minded is what I've noticed in the sense of there before, if I I would recommend a a dentist to be the hygienist to help them out, they'd be like, no, no, I don't want that. Where now they're like, (laughs) okay, you know, I'll take that and that that dentist can still do some restorative work for me and do exams while I'm out of town. And, you know, so the creativity has definitely come out there. And then I think there's that appreciation for their staff that are valuable, that have been loyal to them, where I feel before that wasn't really there. I mean, still there's a lot of work to be done, but I feel like the ones that, you know, I've seen evolved or, you know, understanding why, how important it is to appreciate their team members that have been through thick and thin with them and help them grow to where they are. And they're realizing they, they can't do it alone. You know, that's, I think, have been key. And I hope for 22, I'm hopeful that this will continue. I think culture is the key here. And I hope that they can continue understanding that value of time spent with their um, team members and how they take care of them. It's huge. Like I tell the dentist all the time, like you made it through dental school by yourself, specialty by yourself but you cannot run a practice by yourself. I remind us to them all, I'm like, I know you, you don't like me to tell you this, but you know, you went, you did all this hard stuff. You became that, you know, DMD, DDS. Now you're mm-hmm. a orthodontist, you're, you know, orthodontist, dental dentist, whoever you are, but you need that team to help you shine. And without that, it's near impossible. Love it. So not to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I decided I should probably go last. It is reality. <laughs> Here's the reality check. I said uh, before ADOM, but a lot at ADOM to people that I were talking to, a lot of doctors and spouses and a lot of office managers too. I felt like when COVID happened that the doctor owners started paying attention to their financial statements and were really reviewing them. And I got a ton of phone calls and everything was good. And I was so excited because they were actually able, they had the time then to dig in and start reviewing. And many of them didn't like what they saw. And so they asked questions, always good to ask questions when you don't understand something, right? Right. But then the fall happened and they weren't paying attention and they weren't asking questions because they got busy again. And they were seeing patients and they were trying to pick up their practice and 
trying to find team members that didn't want to come back and work. And they got in that cycle again of not paying attention to the numbers. And it's been a really uncomfortable advantage viewpoint for me to see all that happening. And I started saying at ADOM, I have a feeling that we're going to have a bigger year of embezzlement next year in dentistry than we've seen in the past. And that's because they're not paying attention. They're trying to make things work. They're trying to figure out the whole COVID thing again. You know, in the midst, you guys talk about the cancellations and things and how they're trying to fill the holes and get the calendars, but they're not paying attention to the financials. That's really concerning to me. And so just, let's see, after Adama spoke in Michigan, and then, and so, and Teresa, you asked me, and you were asking everybody, I know she didn't ask me about what they learned from the other vendors. I was too stinking busy at my table. I thought you so were going to speak up. Talk <laughs> any other vendors if she wasn't dragging me somewhere to go speak. So anyways, <laughs> starting the week after and not, not aid on people. I got eight phone calls about potential embezzlements. Mm. It was like the door opened Mm-mm. and that phone started ringing. And so yeah. September, you talk about it being slow in September, but every time it slows down a little bit is when they start paying attention to the financials. Mm-hmm. And so they're seeing things again that they're not. So you asked me about 2022. It could be interesting from that, my perspective of that. It could be very interesting. I will always be around. (laughs) I will always have a job. But you know what? Having said that, I'd really rather teach them how to see those things than come up the other side and do case prep for law enforcement to step in. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's my heart. I'd rather them learn to protect their practice. So that's what I see on that side because we all know running a business period. Mm-hmm. Running a business is time evolving. And add in the economic pressure that some of the employees are feeling. Right. So you have a, a pretty a good recipe for disaster for somebody who's not keeping an eye on what's going on. So I, and uh, I will tell you a lot of them got huge SBA idle loans. I mean, huge mm-hmm. amounts. I heard almost a million dollars of SBA idle loans. Yeah. They just nailed a guy in uh, Southern Virginia, a dentist down there. Uh, same thing. Just came across one of the uh, fraud hotlines that I watch. You should. It's send probably me. the same. It's probably the same newsletter you get, Susan. But yeah, yes, I will look for it. It is interesting, though. I don't want to Debbie down too much either, but I'm concerned with uh, the burnout because it's uh, coaching right. the few clients that I have that are spouses. A lot of spouses came into the industry because everybody left the industry, right? And so who has to work the the office is the husband or the wife that is invested in the company. Uh, They had to work and then the burnout is real there. So I'm concerned with the burnout. I'm hopeful that we can bring in new fresh blood to the industry because, uh, well, first of all, we have to, or else it's not going to (laughs) work. Offices are going to close. So we had to bring in some fresh blood and with fresh blood means that we can teach better habits than the, the chick that was there before that couldn't be bothered to teach them. I think too, as conventions are picking up again, I think everybody being able to be with their colleagues. And that is one thing I will tell you that I noticed so much at ADOM 
was how much they enjoyed learning. Mm -hmm. It was like they were sponges and they wanted to ask as many questions as they could uh, to soak it in because it's been two years. Mm -hmm. That was pretty amazing. And so I love giving the information I can, as well as the rest of you guys that will make a difference. And that was awesome. So what was awesome was our panel. I'm excited that we got to do it. And this was awesome. Mark, I want to thank you on behalf of these ladies. I'm sure they will tell you themselves, but you guys were great to work with. And this follow-up is fun. I I love this kind of open mic thing. It's kind of cool, actually. I feel like we just need a plate of nachos in front of us and we're doing the same thing, right? That's pretty good right now, yeah. (laughs) So Mark, thank you very, very much. Well, thank you too. And, you know, I I feel honored to be blessed with all y'all, your wealth of information. And um, I've loved being associated with you on this. And I hope we can do some more things like this in the future as well. And, you know, we we were happy to sponsor this. And I know I learned a ton. I'm sure everyone who's been part of this um, at the live event and tonight have learned a lot as well. So I'll leave with one kind of just observation. And I'm not going to get salesy here, but, you know, (laughs) maybe a little salesy. But when I sit and listen to some of the issues that I hear you guys talking about, you know, I'm, I've been in uh, cloud-based uh, healthcare software for almost 20 years now, as much as I hate to say that. But, you know, Curve really has, a, I think, a, a really great opportunity to help in a lot of these areas that we've heard surfaced. And I just want to make sure that the folks listening in or who might watch this on recording, you know, know to make sure you explore Curve or cloud-based solutions, because there's an awful lot of things that we can do that just by nature of it, that will help with some of these things that I hear around staffing, for instance. So you've got the ability for people who are what I call back office people like billers or schedulers, they don't have to be in your city. So it opens up a much broader net for you to hire those if you're having trouble staffing. And I talked to a lot of office managers who are really stretched thin. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is great work-life balance, but just to get through, just having the ability to log in from home and finish your day if you have to, if you're a, let's say, a, a working mom or whatever, where you've got things you need to do, uh, you can do it after the kids go to bed or whatever. So just having that remote access. And you know, then just some of the simple things that we do. When I think about the stories I hear from practices about the things that drive them crazy, it's a lot of times around managing technology and you don't have to manage a server, you don't have to manage backups, you don't have to manage uh, cybersecurity and all those things because we do all that for you. And that takes a lot of time, or if you don't do it, it puts you at risk. And then you can have a bigger problem on your hands. And I could go on and on, but there's just so many good reasons to at least explore it. And we give private demos all day, every day, and would love to share with anybody who wants, just go to our website, hit the button that says request a demo. It's an hour long, it's just you and your team. And we just, we love showing off. It's a great product. People always tell us their staff can learn it in uh, a couple of like a half a day to a day to really be good enough to get their job done. And a lot of the older systems take many, many, many weeks or maybe months to really get proficient at it. So we built it in a very smart way. And that's also back to the staffing thing. Then I'll be quiet. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of people right now, because of the staffing shortage, they're doing what they can, maybe getting temps or getting part-time, you know, getting people where they can. And so you can bring them in and they can learn it very quickly um, as opposed to maybe a system that's more older and more complicated. So lots of good reasons to look at, look at Curve. We're committed to this industry. We're committed to our one product to make life better for practices and um, would love to show it off to anybody.
I think that they should take it, take you up on it. I'm thinking of my son who everything is cloud-based, right? So if he had to work on a, a server thing, he would be like, I, I don't, what yeah, do you mean? Right. Like, where's my, why can't I go into this one? And the problem is these gamer types are going to want to turn every patient visit into a quest or a raid or something like that. So we have to avoid that. But I do think that the younger generation who's way more adept at technology than we were, because I mean, let's face it, our Malika, you're a little bit younger, but we kind of had to upgrade because that's, we didn't have a choice. Like somebody had to pull that appointment book out of my hands. I was so mad, but now we're expecting upgrades all the time. So it's much easier for our children to, to handle this than we we handled it. We we were kind of bratty about it. Angela, were you kind of oh, bratty? I feel yeah. like I was bratty. Yeah. <laughs> I need that look. But I'll tell you, you know, working with Curve, I have, you know, a client that has it and it is easy to use. You know, we have to know so many softwares as consultants and coaches. It's like, okay, let me remember how to do it in, in Dentrix or whatever. And they're yeah. they've all got their good things about it. But it was very easy for me to learn Curve and just start manipulating and, and playing around with it and yeah. you're right i can do it and not even disturb the office I mean, right. just log in and look yeah that's the beauty of it because if you call the office to yeah. ask a question now you're on the phone with them so that's a little <laughs> consultant inside know, humor right? there <laughs> all right so mark i'll let you take us out and uh again thank you everybody for uh participating okay thank well, thanks to you guys again um it's been great I've enjoyed getting a chance to meet you guys a little bit and having you part of uh, this great session. And Teresa, I think we'll probably, um, if you guys are okay with it, we probably will take the recording of this and put it up on the Curve site for other people to, to learn from. And you guys are obviously welcome to point people there if you'd like. With that, I'll, I'll close this out, but I appreciate everybody and, um, and I'm applauding you silently here. So thank you very much. And you guys have a, a great rest of your week. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn. <laughs>